and welcome back to MMA BJJ and Life. I'm your host DJ San Marco here on a late summer evening, September 1st, 2018. It's been quite a while since I've talked to you all. Um, I haven't been compelled to really talk about much that's going on. Um, just a few items, but then an opportunity came up last week at um, at the um, the news that happened where Donald uh, Cowboy Cerrone of Jackson's MMA came out in a big spat over who should have the right to train at Jackson's for a fight between he and Mike Perry, that which uh, was the result of a call-out of Mike Perry. So Donald uh, Cowboy Cerrone uh, casually called up Wink and said, I, I don't think that he should be able to train here because he called me out and he's only had one camp with us and it's you know I've been here for years and that started a feud where uh, Mike Winklejohn said no he is going to train here and the details of that we're going to get into with the entire Jackson's MMA scene what you're in store for tonight ladies and gentlemen is basically what's gone on the history to some degree or what we can get in in one hour of Jackson's MMA, Jackson Wink, Mean One MMA, all these things with the original uh, black belt from Jackson's um, coach Chris Luttrell, coach of Claudia Gadelia, Andres Quintana, now Thomas Almeida, and has coached countless fighters and champions over at Jackson's from John Jones all the way back to Keith Jardine and and probably many more that that I don't even know um, so without further ado let me welcome in uh, the coach of Luttrell Yee MMA which is across town from Jackson's and is you know was the result of of many many years of fighting and coaching under their banner that Chris Luttrell opened the second type of academy like that a smaller version of uh, of a similar system so without further ado chris luttrell how you doing my friend uh doing fantastic dj thanks for having me on i appreciate it it's uh it's been too long i don't think i've interviewed you on air in years because we we talk all the time so. right and um so you know before we even begin the interview i want to i want to throw out there the fact that um that Everything's out on the table. I have been honored to be a friend of Chris Luttrell's since 2010. So we're going on eight years now, at least, that I've been friends with Chris Luttrell and, and honored to be that because he is a lot of how I've, how I got to know MMA, how I got to know people, how I got interviews, how I understood the game. And it was only because um, he taught me a lot of those things and allowed me to have an opinion and formed and shaped my opinions on other things. So I'm going to try to be as objective as possible, being his friend, in interviewing him about what's happened at Jackson's over the years and, and how there came to be a, Latre a uh, Mean One MMA, which was... A project of uh, Mike Mike Winklejohn and Chris Luttrell and and Keith Jardine, how Luttrell Yee MMA came to be, 
and what started the fissure there, how the whole gym started in the first place, which the gym didn't start without Chris Luttrell. So without further ado, Chris, take us back to a point that you think that we should start this story so we can understand what happened, because the central question is, what has happened at Jackson's MMA that they've gone from being in the 90 percentile and wins to where Mike Winklejohn attributes that they're down in probably the 20 percentile and wins that he attributes to people going up to Cowboys Ranch and training. But where do you think we should begin? Well, you know what? We can, if we go back to the very beginning, it's kind of, really, it's an interesting story, you know, how Jackson's was developed. Um, um, and I think people might be interested. It's a, it's a neat story, you know, especially because all the success they've had over the years. But um, I would say 26 years ago, I, you know, I grew up wrestling in high school and college, and I was at a judo club, and I met, at the time, their top student. So at the time, Jackson's was a, it, it was a self-defense gym called Gaidu Jitsu, the way of the street. And, and I, I met their top guy, and he asked me what guard I fought out of, and uh Months before that, Mike Winklejohn had hit me up. We actually went to high school. He was a kickboxer, and I had wrestled. And he asked me to come in and spar, and so we went in and sparred. And, you know, he liked what he saw. You know, I just kept taking him down and submitting. He's like, hey, I need to learn this, because he wanted to fight overseas in some of the no-holds-barred no fights. Mm-hmm. So I, I started teaching. He had a karate school. I started teaching at the karate school, and... Uh, and started working, teaching for him. And then I met Greg's top student and I went over there and me and his top student went back and sparred at Greg's. And that was Tom Vaughn? That was Brad Aronsfield. Brad Aarons, the guy from the base. Yeah, he he was an Air Force... uh, Combat controller. Combat controller, yeah, big guy. And and, um, yeah, it was kind of funny. We we went back and pretty much had a knockdown, knockdown drag out because you know he laughed at me because I I didn't fight out of a specific guard. So, um, we go back and that's where I met Greg. And so I met Greg, but at the time, you know, it was very rudimentary. Um, Greg, Greg uh, had studied a little bit of aikido for a few months, did a little bit of kickboxing. And that was it. So he didn't have a big background in martial arts. And, um, you know, he asked me if I'd train there because I, you know, I tapped out his, you know, his top guy a few times. And and I was looking for a jam because I wanted to do the, you know, I wanted to do the new holds guard fights. And uh, I started training. But, you know, luckily, at the time I worked for an airline. So on my overnights, I would uh, I would go out. And I would train at all the different gyms, you know, at the time. So, you know, there was not a Brazilian jiu-jitsu school in Albuquerque. You know, it was judo. There was wrestling, you know, high school and boxing or kickboxing. But nothing, you know, in the realm of grappling. So I got to train. I was very lucky. And I, you know, I went and trained at Hoist Gracie's for a couple of weeks. And I trained over at Hickson's and and. You know, uh, I went out to the Militich's. I, I just hit Megaton Diaz, like you name it. I I just trained everywhere. I drag my, I just walk in and ask if I could train. And most of the, you know, most of the dojos and gyms are, were receptive and then let me train. And I would take that material back to Greg and I'd say, hey, here's what so and so's doing. And so we started 
you know, developing our curriculum years ago. And I liked the wrestling, you know, I kind of, that was my forte was the wrestling and the cage work and ground and pound. And Greg really didn't have a background. He had, he liked the ground, but he, the only ground he had was out of a magazine. Like, you know, back then the internet wasn't, you know, really wasn't there. And so he was, you know, getting stuff from magazines. So I would bring him stuff back and we would sit down and say, hey, this works for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You know, this won't, you know, we thought, well, this will work, this won't work. We started building the curriculum. So it was an exciting time. And, you know, back then he didn't even, he didn't want to do the, you know, he didn't want to do mixed martial arts. So I had to talk him into it and that's it. It took two weeks. I'm like come on Greg let's 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 do the martial you know let's do the MMA thing I'm, you know I was like I'm telling you it's going to get popular we need to do it and I said and I want to fight so after a couple of weeks you know of me trying to convince him and like hey there's a self-defense gym on every street corner at the time you know he had he was doing a little bit of stick a little bit of knife and so I finally you know talked him into it and you know, the rest was history. We started going to grappling tournaments out in Vegas and different places and started recruiting guys. And And I think our, you know, our first big break was Diego Sanchez on the Tough Show. That was, you know. uh, that was it. He was, how, so as we go into that Tough Show, who were the guys that were at the gym that we would know? And, may, you know, maybe even if People don't know the people that were principals at the gym in terms of fighters. Well, I would say Keith Jardine was one of the first. So we had a guy um, at the time. I was, uh, I was in, I was also in law enforcement, and so I had worked with a guy, and he started, he started teaching some grappling up in Las Vegas, New Mexico, mm-hmm. and and he t- calls me, and he's like, "Hey, I got this guy, Keith Jardine. He said he played football." And he's been doing some wrestling, just never wrestled really formally, but he just goes to wrestling tournaments and loves to mix it up. And and he's already beaten me. I need to send him down to you. So, you know, um, Keith comes down and starts training, and, and really he just he just took to it right away. He's a really nice guy, humble. He worked hard, and, and he was tough immediately. And so, you know, Keith and then uh, Nate Marquardt, about us and came down you know from denver and 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 just right away we we had we very quickly had a stable of some just some tough kids you know i I'm, i was at chuck e cheese pizza for my oldest son his uh, was his fourth birthday and i ran into john dodson just a sweetheart of a kid and he hosted us and sat us down and you know he hosted my son's party and we got to talk and he saw my cauliflower ear and you know one thing led to another and I'm like hey you got to come in and and uh, I remember him coming in and just he was just a phenomenal athlete and and had a great work ethic and always in a good mood and he he quickly became you know a very very good you know well-rounded fighter so, and who were the like? How many coaches did you have back then? Because even when I came up there, which is well after this, this was like two thousand nine, twenty ten, when I started coming up there, and I saw different coaches. Uh, were there any significant guys coaching, or was it just like Greg and Mike, and you were well, still a fighter at, at at this point? Well, you know, it, it was strange because just because I was traveling around. Um, with the airlines training in all these different places I was 
I mean, I was fighting too, but I was, I was doing a lot of coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, because by the time I would bring new material back pretty much every week, I would have two or three different cities where I would go on and gone and train. So I would come back and I would end up, you know, teaching a lot of all the new material that I learned. Um, so I was coaching right away too. So, you know, um, which is good and bad, but, uh, there was me and, and even Mike and Greg did not, they didn't hook up, you know, right away. Mm-hmm. It took, it took a little while, uh, you know, kind of, you know, to get them to know each other, to feel comfortable. So they, you know, um, a lot of people would go over to Mike's to work their stand up, and then they would go to Greg's to work the ground. And mm-hmm. so it, it wasn't, it wasn't right away. You know, Mike would come down at times, so we'd all three be there, but, uh, we pretty much had all, you know, the, th- Three, the big three covered pretty quickly you okay. know, with the wrestling and cage and ground. You know, by then Greg was getting, I was bringing him back more and more material from all these really top-notch jiu-jitsu guys. And, Did you and roll schools. with Eric Paulson? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Did you roll with Eric Paulson? I don't know why that name sticks in my mind. No. You never no, rolled I, with him? Okay. Never rolled with him. I rolled okay. with, you know, a lot of other, a lot of other, you know, big names, but um, I knew, you know what? I, I knew who he was, but because uh, he was a catch wrestling old. guy, right? Yeah, yeah, he was, he was, um, yeah, and you know, just the whole thing, you know, it just MMA in general has been really, really good for me. You know, I've traveled, I got to travel the world and meet a lot of really neat people, and you know, I've been blessed. And you fought like a, a lot of people don't know. Your fighting career went into a point where you were actually on a card. With I believe either Holly and then and D, it was Diego. You and yeah, I, yeah. was it Holly or was it or yeah, was it Keith? Was I, don't, I don't remember. Yeah, Holly was Holly was the main event. I was the semi main. Keith Jardine was on that card. Diego Sanchez was on that card. That's wild. Um, yeah, there was there was there was a few uh, you know a few big names on there and and that that card was. They they had some boxing matches on it, some kickboxing matches, and some MMA. Mm-hmm. So they kind of had, yeah. It was, you know. And then back shoot back then, that that long ago, you never knew the rules, and you didn't know the rules even when you got there. It's like they were deciding, you know, what the rules were going to be: no gloves, open hand. Um, <laughs> oh my God. And then and then some some commission, you know, promoters would say, hey, we're, we don't know if the police are going to come in, if they're going to arrest it. Like. It was uh, it was dicey, you know. Early on, it was it was it was really interesting. Well, New Mexico just loves its combat sports, so they're going to find a way to make it happen, and then they'll figure figure out what the rules are going to be later on. Uh, right, but, and, <laughs> it's a fight. Yeah, and that was and that was other states too. You know, would go to Texas, would go different places, and nobody. You know, it was kind of, everybody was flying by the seat of their pants. You know, to get this sport going, it was. Uh, you know, uh, you know, had some great times, some great stories. But, uh, but no, we were lucky because we were, you know, I, I was just very, very fortunate to work for an airline to gather, to, to be able to go around and, and to gather all this different information and bring it, you know, bring it back to, to you know, to, to our gym. And then Greg and I would just sit there and dissect it. It was like a laboratory. We'd go, hey, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's, you know, let's try this. Oh, this doesn't work. And so really we got a jump start on, you know, most I would say, you know, most of the gyms in the U.S., we got a big jump start on them. So uh, for what he's, uh, Chris is talking about, and even one of his students, like I'm fast-forwarding again back to around to 2011, one of Chris's students came to Brazil to 
uh, spend a month with me and come and train at the jiu-jitsu slash MMA academy that I was training BJJ at. And he had a notepad and he wrote down notes and that's what Chris did is having a spiral binder if I'm not mistaken. And you would you would you would go back to your hotel room and write write yeah. down what you learned and then bring those notebooks back to the gym. Yep, yep, but bring it back to the gym and Greg and I and other the other, you know, black belts and higher belts, we would sit around and, and look at this material and, and kinda make some tweaks on it and sometimes a lot of times um didn't have time to go over the new stuff before, you know, with people and I'm, so I would just go in and teach what I'd learned, you know, the day before or the two days before and, and I just teach that new stuff. So it was an influx of information every week, you know, we were just getting, you know, getting new material that, that a lot of the top fighters, top gyms and, and unknown gyms were, you know, were doing. So it, it, uh, it was neat. So, um, so now I'm going to, I'm going to have to fast forward. So, cause I'm, I'm 16 or 17 minutes in and I want to make sure we get everything in and if we have to go just a little bit over an hour to get in what you want to get in I'm certainly happy to do that I'm on your time schedule but so folks so um, uh, at this point um, Chris is coaching and fighting at Jackson's and teaching and then at some point you go along when was the next when was the next change where did the road turn as um as uh, uh, I think it was uh, Diana Ross might say, or wh- where did the road turn where things changed or what happened that, that you stopped coaching there? You know, things started going, I would say, um, like, like other, uh, you know, like other incidents in the world, I think uh, fame, the gym started, started, you know, picking up some fame and success and, and uh, I would say I remember one of Greg Jackson's very first interviews, you know, where our guys were doing really well. And, and they went to him and they asked him, well, oh, my God, you know, a small gym out here in the middle of New Mexico. Um, how in the heck, you know, how in the heck did, uh, did you do it? Like, you know, how did you come up with this curriculum and you're, all your guys doing well? And I, and I remember, you know, instead of just being humble and saying, Hey, you know, we we just telling the truth, saying, you know, we got a jump start on the other gyms. You know, one of our guys, one of our black belts, works for an airline, and you know, he goes to two or three or four different cities every week, and he's bringing back material. And man, we're taking it, we're you know, tweaking it and adding and and pulling in what works, what that. And he didn't say that. He, you know, he said, uh, um, he said, well, I study astrophysics or something yeah, it was like i study astrophysics and i combine that with my study and my reading of u.s history and i combine those two to come up with you know with a curriculum and i think at that point i was like oh my god we're in trouble <laughs> you know, i realized at that point um you know he i don't know i think he wanted people to kind of think he was smarter than he was and so he started talking about Sun Tzu, the art of war and all that neat stuff. No, I, yeah, no, right, I get it. Right. Instead uh, of saying, and all the upper, uh, all the black belts were all looking at each other. What? But, um, probably the biggest, really one of the big turning points was we, we were growing so fast and we were having a lot of fighters wanting to join the gym because of our success. And, you know, that's good and bad because how do you keep and show loyalty to those that, built the gym you know without getting too big right and 
you know, getting too big and watered down and not showing loyalty by bringing in other fighters in the same weight. So, you know, I was talking to Greg and, and Mike and I was like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta do something about this. We're getting so many different top fighters, you know, in different weight classes, um, asking to come and join the gym. I said, man, we got to set a precedent. We got to, you know, we, we've got to write it down and, you know, so it's fair to everybody. And, and, you know, they both agreed, like, absolutely. So really, I think our first litmus test, very first test was um, George GSP wanted to come and join the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had Diego Sanchez at the weight. And, you know, Greg, uh, you know, Greg is really a, a very, very nice guy. He was raised by, his parents were Quakers. So mm-hmm. Greg never really learned how to, like, talk to people. Um you know, to say no or to, you know, to have a, you know, a, a hard conversation. So he would have other people, you know, really kind of do that for him. So he asked me to do it. And so I went and talked to Diego and I was like, hey, Diego, um, George St. Pierre wants to join the gym, but we, you know, we set a precedent and here's what we're going to do. It's up, it's up to the fighters at that weight class. What's so up to you, Diego? If you do, if you want George to join, he can. But if you don't, we understand that in the future you might have to fight him. It's totally up to you. Then you know what? Then, then he won't come here. And then we, we'll tell him, nope, no dice. You know, um, you know, Diego's not you know good with it. So, but I said, hey, Diego, uh, think about it. And Diego said, all right, all right, coach, I'll think about it. And and I told him, hey, take a couple of days. take Go talk to the people you trust and confide in and kind of think about it. And he's like, all right. And then I'd say 30 minutes later, that same day, he comes back and he said, coach, I'm okay with it. You know what? Um, and, and just for everybody, Diego started out at 170 in the UFC. For those who have come to this a little bit later, he was a 170 pounder. He was undefeated, I believe, until Josh Koscheck. And then he, um, then he's dropped to 155 and 145, and now I think he's back at 155. But I'm sorry, I digress. Go ahead, Coach. No, it's okay. It's okay. So, you know, so Diego came back and said, you know what, Coach, let him join. He's a you know phenomenal fighter, and it'll make us both better. And if we got to fight each other down the road, then you know we got to do it. It's business. So I want to, you know, it's a go. So I said, Are you sure? Are you sure? And then. You know, I went to Greg and Mike said, hey, you know, Diego's fine with it. And so everything was fine. Uh, and Diego was undefeated at that time. And, but then when he lost his next fight and, you know, things started kind of, you know, weren't, you know, it, when he wasn't undefeated, he got upset. And then he ended up kind of going on social media or whatever. Not even there. He just started telling people, hey, you know, I got, I was betrayed. And which really, it wasn't true, I just because I had talked to him. But he ended up going to another gym in San Diego. And from what I heard, it didn't go well. He ended up coming back to the team, and, you know, he's still at Jackson's. But shortly after that, um, you know, Rashad was our 205-pounder. Keith was 205. Even at the time, I believe Brian Stan was fighting for us at 205. Mm-hmm. And I think where things started going, you know, kind of really bad was um, – we'd had that precedent where, you know, we didn't talk to the fighters and the fighters first, if they wanted to, you know, if somebody asked to join and then, you know, as long as all the other, and the coaches didn't have a problem with him, you know, the fighter. And, and, uh, I remember I was in the, I was in the cage and Greg Jackson turned to me and he says, Hey, Chris, do you know that new fighter, uh, bones? 
uh, I think Bones Jones, and I was like, yeah, he had just mm-hmm. come on the scene. He had like, he yeah, probably yeah. had beaten St- either Stefan Bonner, Stefan Bonner, Stefan yes, Bonner, yeah. probably yep. before he came there to you guys. Yeah, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, I seen that guy, kind of, kind of lanky, tall, throwing some elbows. I said, yeah, that guy's phenomenal, and 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 uh, and then Greg says, well, yeah, he's going to join the team, and I said, well, oh, I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, what did? Assuming I just assumed that he had run it by our two hundred five, I said, "Well, what's uh, how does Rashad and Keith and Brian? How do those guys feel about it?" And Greg looks at me and he goes, "I, I didn't, I didn't ask him, Coach, because this Bones guy, he's the future of the sport." So I said, "No," I was like, "What?" I said, "No, no, no, no. You know, you, you, you got to run it by the guys." You got to run it by the guys. I mean, we've already set that precedent, and we've done it, and you know that's that's what we've been doing—fair loyalty. And mm-hmm. and at that point, Greg, yeah, he was like, uh, you know, he just changed his mind. I think, you know, for whatever reason, maybe you know, money. I he kind of, you know, saw the potential, and I, I don't know. I well, really can't. I can't speak for him, but well, let's yeah. let's let's talk about what this gets to. What you're talking about here. Let me let me just rewind real quick. Do you, in some way, now regret having that conversation with Diego and opening that door, or do you think it's something that if you didn't do it, Greg would have asked Mike to have that conversation or somebody else at the gym to have that conversation? Do you regret that that ever happened and that GSP came down there for a couple cups of coffee, or what? You know what? I really don't. Um, you know, uh, Greg could never have a hard conversation with anybody and so it was either going to be me or he ended up hiring a manor a manager named ricky and ricky did all of his talking you know mm-hmm. for him he would be nice to everybody hello hey how are you but when you turned around he'd be like hey ricky and then he'd tell his true feelings to ricky and ricky would either you know go and execute leave it yeah, yeah he was the execute, cleaner the cleanser <laughs> exactly so the conversation was going to be had anyways um okay. but i remember it, it was rough it was hard because rashad came to me and here i'm one of his coaches and he's like coach what's going on i you know mm-hmm. i said and i said i'm sorry you know and and i think at that point greg started saying oh no rashad agreed to it up you know he you know greg started twisting the story and i was like oh no well phil nurse you know? was involved Right, Phil Nurse was asked to make it, and I'm getting this from Larry Pepe's conversation with those guys because Larry interviewed Greg and then he interviewed you uh, about this back when it happened, and he also had for, uh, Phil Nurse call Rashad and do the "Hey, bro" kind of thing to try to appeal to him as well. And yeah. from yeah. from what from what I know, it was a couple of weeks before he agreed to let John come on the team. Well, it it was rough because, you know, Rashad asked me and he's like, you know, hey, I'm going to have Larry Pepe, you know, call you. And I and he's like, Cause, you know, at the time I'd quit working for the airlines and I was a full time police officer. And, mm-hmm. you know, he knows I have integrity and I'm not, you know, I'm not going to lie. And I was, you know, and I said, well, if he calls me, Rashad, you know, I'm going to tell the truth. You know, I'm going to tell I'm going to tell the truth. And Greg was upset with me. You know, he's like, what? You don't have to do, you know, because it was going to make him look bad. And but. You know, I, you know, it was, I was in a tough position, but, you know, I'm, you know, going to tell the truth. And so that's where I think, you know, you know, that's, you know, some problems started to happen. And, you know, I think, uh, 
you know, loyalty, maybe money, you know, now the purses are getting bigger, who knows, but yeah, that's when things kind of started to de- to kind of derail. And the thing that was sad about that is just, you know, from the couple of times I was around, it looked like they were close, uh, Rashad and John, it looked like um, from me, you know, coming in the gym, I remember Emily Kagan trying to get me an interview with with Rashad and, and I think I wanted to interview Rashad and right. and and they were Rashad was still at the gym and they were sitting on the corner of a mat talking and they were like no 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 and it was okay I didn't take any offense to that um, I I totally get it and they don't need to be available to interview at all times I was wasn't offended in the least but but clearly there was a friendship and a mentorship there and the thing that was striking about it was that when John said that he would fight Rashad, he he basically punked Rashad. Because right. it would it would be like me if I were a fighter saying I would never fight Chris Luttrell. I mean he's you know we're too yeah. close of friends, we're buddies, and we've just made a pact that we're never going to fight. And then all of a sudden it gets back to me that you did an interview and you said yeah I'd fight DJ. And I'm like oh okay now I look like a punk. No, no, exactly, and that's why by the time people are on the same team, like, you know, hey, that it's inevitable, like, you know, if you're both good and, you know, it, you're going to fight, but, you know, that's kind of why, it's kind of why you've got you've to nip that in the bud, you've got to handle that before somebody comes on the team, you see somebody like John with that much potential, and, and that's where we dropped the ball, you know, that's where we didn't live up to our precedents, and, and, and you know, we, we weren't good to our word. Oh yeah, come on in. You know you can join. And when we knew, when you know, it's inevitable. This is going to happen. And you know, so that's that's rough. But I think, you know, I think, like I said, the money and you know things started changing. So, and, and you know, I think that the the juxtaposition of this is that if you compare this academy to AKA, there will never be another two hundred and five pound fighter that anywhere near the stature who would be a threat to the supremacy of Daniel Cormier at AKA as long as he's fighting and there will never be a heavyweight better probably than Cain Velasquez or Luke Rockhold or Khabib while they're still fighting in the UFC no exactly and and I think you know that's comforting and so to them they don't got to worry about you know the next you know the next phenom coming up that they're gonna have to be fighting him and you know while the guy's watching you train um and it just comes back to integrity and loyalty and yeah you know they don't they don't do that but you know some people that's where you know kind of money fame greed i mean you know you know each fighter you have you know you're getting 10 to 20 percent of that that purse and it unfortunately you know it it takes over at some gyms like you know like like that like jackson's okay so now coach with the amount of coaches that you have during this time frame so you're during the rashad era now maybe you're you're into the john era more people are coming out clay guida's coming out i mean i don't i can't even enumerate how many fighters you have coming out there because they're just coming out in droves uh you know people that we forget rustam kabilov was there and Diego Brandao was there, and Maximo Blanco was there, and 
<laughs> you know, like you forget, but you could go on and on and on. But the, the point I'm trying to make here is that there comes a point where you don't have enough coach. What made you successful was whatever amount of focus that you put into Keith Jardine so that he beat a Chuck Liddell. Uh, and a, and even a, a Gergard Morsasi, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah. Rashad Evans uh, had gotten himself to you know champion of the UFC until he he had one mistake against Machida, which a lot of people have had one mistake against Machida. Um, but in any case, you you know Diego Sanchez was seventeen and zero until he lost yeah. to Josh Koscheck, um, and that may have been why um, that. Greg and, and then I don't I have no idea if this played a part in it, but it may have opened the door to when George St. Pierre said, I want to come down there. They're like, well, we no longer have the best welterweight anymore. That's clear. So um, I, I don't know those things. But basically, the point I'm trying to make is that whatever amount of focus that you put on each fighter to make them as successful as they were, you can no longer put that level of focus on on each one's game and strategy and weaknesses, building weaknesses into strengths and hiding weaknesses and, and, and those sorts of things. Am I correct? No, you're absolutely correct. And it's like, you know, I like to use the analogy of school. People send their kids to private school because the, the teacher-student ratio is much, much lower. So it's all about attention. And <laughs> yeah, if you get that many good fighters, you get tons of fighters at the gym. Well, you can't pay that much attention to them. So what you do, what you end up, what coaches end up doing is, all right, well, we're going to spar. We're going to go hard. Well, there's a time and place to go hard, you know, um, but you want to balance. Yeah, there's times you go hard, but then a lot of time, you know, you're, you're learning new tools, you're drilling and you're, you're perfecting those tools that you already have. And you're perfecting those tools that you're going to use in that specific fight against that specific opponent. And, and so, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's really huge is it just, you know, and I feel bad at, you know, being a part of Jackson's for so long, being a coach and, you know, the first black belt and fighting for him. And then, and then to see what happened now, you know, and like, even, are they even at 20%, you know, win rate? I think, I, I don't even think it's that in, in the last year, they just, they're all of their fighters are just, they're deteriorating and it's at a rapid pace and, and, and it's just due to, you know, nonstop sparring because I still have a lot of friends and over there and, you know, there's not coaches. They don't have enough coaches and it's literally a slugfest every day. And, you know, so there's the injuries are sky high as where I, you know, I used to kind of be one of the coaches that placed everybody like, whoa, no spinning heels. Like, oh, guys, we're working together. We're not trying to, you know, get a free shot, knock somebody out, show us who you are. Like, you know, and so you know, you've got to really, you got to keep, you got to keep close watch on, you know, on your fight team. Um, you know what though, and we're going to get there. We're going to get to the the assertions of Cowboy Cerrone. We're going to get to the mass defections from Andre Arlovsky and Travis. Well, you know, first Travis Brown, then uh, Andre and and um, Alistair Overeem and Rustam and Diego, and you know, you can go on and on and on and on. But we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But what I wanted to do is do you think we should travel down the road of Mean One and talk about how that began and what the effect of it was in the gym and with your relationship with the gym? Um, yeah, we could, we could go down that. Um, 
you know, that's kind of, you know, it's talked about Rashad incident and that was kind of the first one and kind of the second big one was, you know, Keith Jardine was coming to the end of his fighting career and he'd asked me, hey coach, uh, coming to the end of my career, I got nothing to fall back on. I, you know, I'd like to open up a, you know, an MMA gym, fitness gym and would you be interested in, you know, coaching? And I was like, sure. You know, I just loved Keith. You know, mm-hmm. just just a fantastic guy with a, you know, heart of gold and this incredible work. Yeah, integrity. Integrity guy. That's just a good, good guy. And and so, you know, we decided to, uh, you know, open open up another gym. But we went to Greg, and you know, we we both went to Greg and said, you know, Keith explained, hey, I'm coming to the end of my career. I want to open up a MMA and fitness gym, and you know, I want Chris to be the MMA coach and and. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll be a sister gym and we can, you know, we get guys good enough. We can send them over and we can, we can trade and they can train at both plate. You know, when Greg was like, all right, Hey, I appreciate it. And he was, you know, he seemed very receptive and, you know, I, I know he was very fond of Keith too. And, and so, um, about that time, Winkle John, coach Winkle John says, Hey, wait, I want to, you know, I want to be a partner too. And so, you know, he got, he got in on us and I don't know, it was, <clears throat> You know, it, it ended up, yeah, it ended up, you know, not going. You know, Chris, so I, I know this is something difficult for you to talk about uh, because it was your baby. And it was kind of like um, the three of you said, we're going to take care of a litter of puppies. And there's a litter of puppies there. And the three of you are standing around the basket. And then Mike and Keith basically took the basket. They put it outside in the winter cold. They shoved you out the door and said, take care of these puppies. Um, kind of, you know, we, we ended up getting a, our own, you know, an MMA team going and, and, you know, I would, you know, I talked to Greg and I'd bring the guys over to, uh, bring them over to Jackson's on certain days to train and, and, you know, it, it was going really well and, and, um, but nope. the seed, excuse me, the seeds of discontent were sown from the inside out. Bef- like when you opened the doors, it was already seen as, because almost from the beginning, if I'm not mistaken, I want you to correct me, please, if I'm wrong. It was Ricky Cottonsteady and whoever else, the forces inside and around Greg that put pressure so that Mike and Keith never came, almost almost never came to that gym maybe you can count on one or two hands tell me if any of that and i'm i know this is difficult for you to talk about but tell me if i'm wrong about that i'm happy to be wrong you know so it uh so ricky speaks for greg you know ricky speaks for greg but it but really it wasn't bad it was going pretty well until we started until me what we started having success and you know we pretty quickly got a group of fighters and they were all just tearing it up they were really tearing the mma scene up um multiple fighters you know undefeated winning all the local shows and i think you know it was a pride and ego you know involved and that's when greg got upset and you know he talked to me and keith he's like what are you guys doing you and then he came in he said you you told me you were opening a fitness gym you know, he got really upset. We were getting a lot of the headlines and a lot of the publicity, and and we and both Keith and I were like, "Well, 
No, no, no. Why would we open a fitness gym? We, you know, we said MMA and fitness, and we came into your office, Greg, and that's why that's why we said MMA and fitness. And Chris is going to be the MMA coach. That's what. So, yeah, that's where things started going bad. As far as you know, as far as that gym, Greg started getting, yeah, really upset. And, and it was you know just the success that we were having had a you know bunch of hungry young kid you know, and uh, so they were, just, that, they were making waves. That was one of the assertions that was made was that because I had talked to some people on the other side and on the Jackson side and they had said, oh, it was only supposed to be a fitness gym. So you're saying that you guys never said to him that it was going to be a fitness gym and not an MMA gym. Yeah, we never said that. We said, hey, we're gonna, we want to open up an MMA and fitness gym. And, and Keith said, that's why I want Chris to be the head MMA coach. And, um, you know, I was like, I was like, Greg, why would we, why, what would I go do at, at a fitness gym? What would I teach? I, you know, I, I said I was going to be the head MMA coach and he was fine with it up until, you know, we started stealing, you know, stealing a lot of the thunder from Jackson's just because the guys were doing so well. And, and soon after, soon after that, he said, well, I don't want, you know what? You guys can't train at Jackson's. And it just started little changes here and there. And it started, you know, it started kind of, you know, going, going downhill. And um, the thing is, is that, you know, my New York sensibilities say to me, Mike Winklejohn, Keith Jardine, and Chris Luttrell open a gym and there's not going to be MMA. That's bullshit. Anybody who tells me you're talking shit, you're not going to bullshit a bullshitter, and I'm a bullshitter, so I don't buy that. I don't buy that they ever said that it was going to be a fitness gym, and you're going to have three guys there that are fighters of one sort or another, so that there wasn't going to be an MMA. Now, the fact that there were people like Tim Dennison, who wasn't getting a lot of attention at the new and improved large Jacksons that wanted to come over and train at, at your gym because there you were going to give them individual attention. And I don't know, was that's it a, Logan yeah. Sims? And, you know, that's exactly what happened. And, and more and more guys were liking what they saw and they're like, Hey, I want the attention. And, and, um, you know, Carlos Conda came over and we, everybody had come over periodically. John Dodson had come over and all these, you know, the different fighters and, 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 um, I'll, you know, guys, Kevin Kroom ended up coming over and going, hey, you know, I get no attention. They're sparring more and more over there. I'm learning more here. Like, so, you know, it, yeah. So when that happened, um, one of the partners, yeah, one of the partners, uh, we ended, it, it ended up really ugly, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't have to talk about the dissolution of the gym uh, so much as how it affected what went on between you and Jackson and Winklejohn. That's because I never saw Winklejohn there and it seemed like he never came there. So it seemed like that people were made to think the two two of the principals of the three of you were made to feel pretty early on that they should not be over there. And so they weren't. Right. As far as yeah, I Gre- know, if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Greg was getting upset. He didn't, you know, he didn't, uh, you know, he didn't want it to be successful and he was, you know, asking Mike not to you know, not, not, not to, uh, be affiliated with it, especially in the limelight. And so Mike was in a tough position. He was, cause he had talked to me about it. Um, 
So now in theory you have a growing gym at Jackson's and then you have your name on another gym across town and you don't even have time to work with all the guys that are at Jackson's and gals that the, the, the women's team was plussing up with Julie, you know, Holly is the, maybe the leader and Julie Kedzie and um, let's see um, and Heather Clark and Emily and and I'm probably forgetting and Nohime I believe uh, Tim yeah, Dennison's no, wife yeah um, yeah no there we were getting a, a you know pretty good women's team and that's kind of uh, you know that's kind of when Holly started you know started getting, getting into MMA, MMA. Yeah. yep yep so yeah so was, uh, this this is kind of what drove a wedge between all of, between the three of you. And then I remember there was a time when you actually went back and started doing like a Wednesday or a Friday MMA class in place of Greg after you had broken off with them. And then somehow he asked you to come back. Um, Do you remember that? No, you no? know, after, after, me and, after me and Greg had a fallen out, you know, he ended up lying to me and, you know, had a partner and, you know, he Greg ended up taking over me one. Um, one of my students calls me and says, "Hey, Greg and his wife are at your, you know, they're at your gym, mm -hmm. really early in the morning." And so I call Greg and he's like, "Oh, hey, uh, you know, I had a partner at the time, and his wife was trying to hit on the fighters." Mm -hmm. and so I talked to him. I'm like, "Hey, you know, your wife's trying to hit on these fighters, and here it is. You know, here's what's going on, and and this this partner, you know, he." He just flipped, and so he called up Greg and Ricky, and he's like, "Hey, I understand you guys want to open up a Jackson's on the west side. Come take Latrell's." So, yeah, it it uh, I you know Greg says, "Well, you know I bought your gym, you know," and the guy said, "Hey, I created the LLC. I could you know just take over." But you know I called Greg and I said, "Hey, what you know I came to you, me and Keith, and you know, you know don't do me a favor, don't do it. You know, go anywhere you want to in Rio Rancho." You know, I had come to you, you know, and with honor, and I said, do me a favor, don't take this, and he said, okay, okay, I won't, and then I remember I was, Frank Mir and I were down in Argentina, down in South America, we're teaching a seminar, and mm -hmm. Frank's like, look, and he shows me social media, and they had their grand opening, and, you know, took my name down, put up Jackson's, and so I told Greg, I was like, hey, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, we're done, you know, we're done being friends, and I don't want anything to do with you until you apologize. And you know, it was just wrong to me. And so, you know, we, you know, we don't, you know, talk anymore. But me and Winkle John were, you know, we were still, still talking at the time. So. Mm -hmm. And so, so now, so yeah, and, and the time I was talking about was actually before that happened. Uh, the falling out was when you had you had actually left for a while, and then you went back and you coached for a few months more and then and then i think this happened and that put the nail may have put the nail in the coffin you were doing once a week there i think but yeah yeah i was and, and you know like i said greg was angry at me about the whole rashad he asked me not to you know not not to tell the truth not to you know say what went on and he asked you, know, you not to tell the truth well he was saying you don't have to talk about it and i said well i'm you know it's the he, truth he said do me don't talk about it it's not gonna look good and i said you know hey um i i can't not tell the truth i said i'm not gonna go out and you know go out and 
pick up interviews and, you know, to tell a, I'm not, I'm, but if somebody asks me, I'm, you know, I don't lie, I'm going to tell the truth. And, you know, I was in a situation, Rashad's like, coach, can you tell the truth? And I'm like, well, if they ask me, but, you know, I'm not going to go and, you know, jockey for, to get on different shows or anything. And, but, uh, yeah, so Greg was upset at me. That's kind of where, you know, kind of where it started going, you know, rough between us because we were together for so many years and, you know, it's, it was, it was tough. To, to Rashad's credit, he has totally moved on. He's probably moved on more than I've moved on about this. He's totally moved on. Um, he probably has designs on being hired by ESPN uh, as when they take over coverage, which I think will be in 2019. Um, and the Fox will no longer will cease to exist as a UFC entity. Um, and so he's been very, very quiet about it and, and has basically moved on with his life. But to me, I think it was kind of the ultimate slap in the face of, of what they did to him to where he had to leave. He had to leave the gym. Yeah, no, you know? he had to. And it was sad. And, and I can tell you. Rashad is one of my favorite fighters of all time. Talk about a person of character and integrity. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's just unrivaled. The guy, he is amazing. You know, he, his sense of humor, like he'll make you laugh, but he's just solid and he's grounded. You know, his his mom, you know, I talked to him about his upbringing, but she had to be an incredible lady because what a solid guy. And, you know, I've got so many stories about training him where, you know, he, he had this fear of swimming and I did a lot of a lot of pool work with him. And mm -hmm. he's like, oh, you know, he's like, coach, I'm going to drown. And you know, I said, well, then this is going to be actually better for you because you've got to fight to your fears. And and he started taking in water. And I'm like, look, I'll resuscitate you, but you finish that drill. <laughs> <laughs> it's in. And he thought he was drowning, and he started to swim to the shore. He's trying to get to the shore, and I'm in the water, and I'm, I'm keep, you know, I, I'm treading water, and I'm keeping him off, and I'm like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna make it here. So, so it's a drill, and it, it mentally taught, like he fought through it. He fought through his fear of drowning, and he almost drowned when he was younger, and he had this big fear about it, and he fought through it, and it ama just am amazing, you know. And then I remember taking him up to Sandia Peak. 10,850 feet and running, running, and, you know, just altitude sickness hits, and he's falling, throwing up, and, you know, he pops back up, finishes his sets, and I'm like, he's going to be a champion, you know, like, that's those, awesome. just those, those intangibles were like, yep, well, you know, I'm glad you didn't have Brad Aarons go down there and work with him, because he might have, like, handcuffed him in the pool, you know how the, right, the right. controllers and the PJs and the SEALs, I, I would have hated right. it if Brad was his swimming coach down there. So I guess and, he was And I would have hated giving him CPR. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, you know? I'm not putting my lips on this guy, but right. damn it, I have to save his life. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, I'm cornering him there, right? <laughs> against Forrest Griffin, and he's looking at me like, uh, you know, coach, we kind of kill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am here to tell, I want to tell to, to the audience, of all the fighters that I have met through Coach Luttrell, and been introduced to. I have never met Rashad Evans. I have never spoken to Rashad Evans. I've never anything. Uh, I have just seen. I've been in the same room and have been seeing him. And he just seems like such a great guy. And not to bring it from a positive, down. Uh, bring it from a, a positive, laughing note to a negative. I'm sure that he's the type of guy that doesn't want to show or talk about the pain he feels from what happened there and I, and I dare say 
with no knowledge of, of this at all, that that's probably why he didn't want to come back to Albuquerque and train with you. I think there's too many memories there. And I think if were he to fly into town and and do a camp with you, I think there's just too much emotional baggage there. Oh, there's no doubt, DJ. You know, I went back to Florida, and you know, and I'd worked with him out there. And that's right. You forgot know, about that. You know, I did, and and I'd ask him, hey, you know, if you if if we do a camp, let's go to Vegas, and just, you know, but yeah, I, I do think that Albuquerque just, you know, just just uh, too much baggage there, and and it's unfortunate. But uh, it was his it, team. It was yes, him and Diego and Keith's team. It really right? was. It it was their team. Yep. It was, it was, and, and they grew it, like just more and more people, their success and, and really their energy and personalities, you know, they just, and it just started growing and yeah, yeah, they just, they turned it. And those of you who want to know why, and Chris will correct me again if I'm wrong on this, uh, that the reason why Keith Jardine never buddied up to John Jones, when that happened, he really didn't want anything to do with John as, as far as I know. Yeah, it was it was tough because you know everybody you know the team felt allegiance to Rashad and they're like ah but then John comes in and John's charming and hey guys you know like uh, you know it, he's the it, de facto it's, leader yeah and, yeah and and it, it, you know it's just hard on everybody like you know you know um, when the leader should have the loyalty and so you know you know make things happen so that doesn't happen but but they're put in a tough spot so you know everybody kind of handled it the best they could and. You know, and and uh, and I think Rashad, because he's so smart, I remember talking to him, and he's like, "Hey, this is painful, but you know, I'm carrying it around, and I've I've got to, you know, I got to forgive these guys. I got to, you know, I have to forgive Greg, and I've got to move on. You know, it's like carrying, you know, hatred or poison around with you. It's like, hey, yes. it's only hurting me. Yes. And so, yes. Yeah. And I remember having that talk, and he's like, you know what? And he's just too smart. And he's like, you know, and he and he, he let it let it go and move on and he's so sharp he you know he he can do anything he wants to after mma anything he's you very know? bright he's yeah so he's super bright and articulate and yep. and he's funny and he just has yeah. a he just has a nice affability when he's on tv he just seems yeah. like he's enjoying himself and he's good at it and um he probably will be hired by by um by uh, ESPN when they go to field their broadcast team or their stu- in studio team etc so so, so there goes the mean one saga. Now we're where we at where we're at today. Um, there have been, as we said, and you mentioned the name of people that have come in seeking the magic and finding that, at least in their estimation, the magic was no longer there. Where people like like Clay Guida came in and out. Like, oh, I hear Chris's yeah. dog. Hello, doggy. You're you're welcome to be on air as well. National Dog Day a few days ago. Um, um, you know, people like Frank Mir came in and out, and Andre and Travis and Alistair and um, um, D, um I meant to mention BJ Penn and oh, Rusam Kabilov, a whole history think, of Russians. I, yeah, I think if you at one point, I think I think we had fifty-five or sixty in the UFC. At one, like one, it was crazy. And Jimmy uh, Hedis. Yeah, and I'm telling you, I'm so blessed to have been a part of that and and really started, you know, started Jackson's, taught Greg into it, and then flew around the country and, and, you know, and brought all the material back to, you know, to start the curriculum. I'm just blessed because after that, like, 
all these guys come in and it just became like a think tank. Like I would come in to watch guys to get new material. Like, Hey, what did you just do? Oh my God. You know? And so I'd been gathering all this information from fighters coming like, Hey, what'd you just do? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was just an, it, it was just an incredible place. You know, I remember, uh, Braulio, Bra- Bra- Braulio Stima. He's a Gracie so, Baja. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, he comes girl, in. Yeah. Hey, coach. He says, "Hey, coach." Yeah, he's like, "Do you mind if I jump in your class?" And he kind of had it on. So I'm like, "Sure." And so I'm watching him, and he goes through the class, and then after, he's like, "Hey, do you got some guys to roll with me?" And I'm like, "Sure." And then I'm watching him, and it's like, it's like watching Van Gogh or something. You know, um, something. Yeah, somebody who he was amazing. And I'm like, "Wow!" And so every I'd ask people, "Hey, uh, what's your name?" Kind of look for mayor, and there'd be somebody, you know, some famous fighter, mm-hmm. famous jits guy, famous kickboxer. You know, I was like, it was just an amazing uh, just an amazing place to be and learn we can't know? remember them all there's just been there's been oh, too many i mean there's absolutely yeah absolutely there there was so many japanese you know fighters were had come in and just fighters from everywhere and it, it was it was just a really neat place and and uh but i think back then we still tried to keep it like it was a family everybody leaned on each other you know so everybody took care of each other and and then unfortunately, you know, it, that culture, that culture went away and Winkle John went and he bought, put, dumped a lot of money into this facility and, and he took over. Greg was running it for a long time and it was more kind of family-like and, but it, I guess it, it wasn't, you know, even with all those fighters, like he still losing his, you know, losing money, couldn't, you know, really manage, manage the gym. And, and so Winkle John bought a new facility and took over and, and then all hell broke loose. Like, um, you know, things got really bad, and and that's when that's when the mass, you know, the mass defection. So like everybody just started mm-hmm. leaving. And I don't, I don't know. They've got a handful of the same guys, and and then they'll get like a new group, a new group of you know fighters from Dagestan, then a new group of you know some Russia, and then some guys from different countries will come in that don't really kind of you know know the reputation and and it's just really sad they went from you know what we did shoot we were got at one point up in the 90s we were just really on fire and we were evolving and coming out with new technique you know and Mm -hmm. and and to now where you know you you know i think they might be in the teens uh you know the winning percentage and you know and and because we're, we're pretty close gyms you know we you know, we know what's going on over there, and we get a lot of guys now that are joining our gym from there, and just tell us about the horror stories of, you know, anywhere from steroids being pushed on them to, you know, the injuries to, throw, you know, like every single day sparring, trying to kill each other, and it's it's just you know kind of kind of sad and scary what you know kind of what it's turned into. Well, I mean, you see, you know, we talked about Travis Brown. A lot of people don't know that. The reason that he left is because he had beaten Overeem, and then they allowed Overeem to come to the gym. And he's like, I don't want this guy coming here when I train here. But right. what right. a lot of people don't know, do you know what Overeem's salary per fight is? I don't know. $800,000. Wow. That's a lot. of. He That's made more UFC. money. Yeah. It was very upsetting. To Miocic, that that, and you can go and Google this, folks. That Overeem was getting paid more than Miocic, and Danny White said, "You want me to bring in these famous guys, guys from overseas, guys that have a long record 
of winning a K1 kickboxing champion or a dream champion, all that this type of thing. So that's what we thought he was worth. Of course, they found out he's not worth that. Uh, and that's not to say that I don't love Alistair Overeem and his history of work. I do. But that's 10% of that. That's a lot of money. That's 80 grand for a night. <laughs> that's pretty good. So, so that's why Travis Brown left. And Andre didn't want to train with Overeem because Overeem, you know, trains hard. He's a Dutch kickboxer. He hurt Andre in training, right? So, so, and then they ended up fighting. And so now not, now none of the three of them are there. So now you fast forward to Donald Cerrone. So first you had the Rashad thing, then where Travis didn't want um, Overeem coming in, but they brought him in anyway. Then you, just like Rashad didn't want John coming in, now you have Cowboy, who's okay with Mike Perry coming in because he fights at two different weight classes. He was about to go back to 155, and then Mike Perry calls out Cowboy while he's training at his at his gym, and he's taking him out on the boat. So now take us there. Break yeah, down what and, you know about that situation between well, he and Mike. Well, th that's another sad case, and it's you know. Another case of you know a jam and coaches not having integrity and honor and and um, so Cowboy had went to both coaches and said, "Hey guys, just um, not only disrespectful like calling me out when you know he he he's coming here, but can we you know he, he's just been here one camp? Can he go for this fight? You know, for this fight only can he go to you know do his camp somewhere else and then come back? Everything's fine and." Uh, and that's where Winkle John said, nope. See, years ago, Cowboy has never worked with Wink. Mm -hmm. Like, he's never, he's not his striking coach. And Cowboy is another person like, he's like Rashad. Just a great guy, you know, integrity. You see what you get. Like, he's not going to say one thing and, you know, and go say something behind your back. He'll tell you right to your face. Mm -hmm. He's a man's, he's a man's man. And, and, and with integrity and honor and sometimes he'll tell you what you don't want to hear <laughs> he, he can offend people but you know he's like hey mike i don't you know i don't like Mike's style i like you know this style and so he told mike and and so he had had his own striking coaches and so again you know mike said well you don't pay me and perry pays me so we're gonna we're you know we're going with him but then mike you know he has the he has the gall to say, well, the team had a vote. And, you know, they voted you out. And, you know, Cowboys like, you know, they didn't have a vote. And, of course, it's not true. But, you know, that's kind of Mike's way of, you know, covering the truth. But, you know, and so that we was... Had a, that was the, we had a vote. We had a vote. Chris Luttrell doesn't come to the gym anymore. Right, right. Right? They, we had a team vote. vote. Yeah, that yeah, him they, and Claudia. We, yeah. yeah, okay. It told me, oh, yeah, we, we voted. The team voted, Chris. They don't want you anywhere. I'm like, yep. what? And then Cowboy's like, we didn't have a vote. And I'm like, I know. Mike, you know, Mike's telling stories. But, um, no, that was, that, was, that, that was a hard one. Because, you know, if you meet Cowboy, just... He's a great guy. You see what you get. And he's very upfront. And he's like, hey, I, you know, I like this striking style. I don't like this strike, you know, so he, I like it. You shouldn't be offended and therefore, you know, kick him out of the gym. But it was based on money. Mike's like, hey, Mike pays me. You don't. And, nope. You know, you're right. And it was, it was. Yeah, know. Mike pays yeah, me. You yeah. don't. But Cowboy's been, br you know, bringing revenue to the academy for oh, 15 oh, years. No doubt. So. No doubt. And, and, you know, 
he brings so much attention. He's such a dynamic, you know, guy with so, you know, he's got so much personality and he's tough on on he, he, he's a fighter's fighter. Like, you know, hey, we need you to fight. I'll fight. What weight? It don't matter. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? You haven't had a camp yet. I'll fight. Like, he'll fight anywhere, anytime. And that's kind of one of the, you know, one of the a beauty of Cowboy is, is he's, he's a real fighter, you know? And, you know, so for them to do that, I mean, it didn't surprise me. I, it really didn't. But it's just sad that he's been such a staple for so long, so long. And he's done so much for that gym. And, you know, it's sad that Greg didn't stand up and go, hey, whoa, 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 this is bullshit. Right? Like, where was where was Greg? So instead, Greg's like, uh, "I'll come out to your ranch and train you." What? Yeah, it just it it's just a sad state, you know. Yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, I'm looking there. He probably goes back to 2007. There, I mean, his first WEC fight was September 2007. So. Yeah, so it's, he's going yeah. back. What are we looking at here? He's going back yeah, 11, 11 years. So. 11 years at, at yeah. least, yeah. Yeah, he, you know, and he's just been a staple, probably the longest-running, you know, fighter there besides, you know, besides Diego. Like, um, should have the most seniority and the most wins. And, and you let a guy you know, that, you, yeah. did, you let a guy like that train there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I, you I, tell I, the other guy to get lost, yeah. but it's... But, but then you go... But then you go, all right? And then you go, and then you make up stories about it. You know? Well, you know, he wasn't there for other people's camp. Or like, I, you know, it was a tough... I was like, well, what are they going to make up about this one? Well, he was all about himself. What? You know, well, he didn't help anybody else with their camp. <laughs> no, that's not true. Cowboy is down to spar. He's down to train all the time. And he'll invite you to the oh. ranch. I don't know that he's oh, yeah. driving 50 miles to the... A, you know, academy when he doesn't have a fight all the time. But if someone asked him, I'm sure he would do it. And I'm I, sure he invited know, people I, to the ranch. Yeah. Abs he invited everybody, but I would still see him making that drive. I'd still see him in there, you know. And it, it's, you know, it's, I don't know, it's sad. It's sad, and, and I feel for Cowboy, but I mean, he, he, he has a life outside of fighting. He's not one of those yeah. guys who's in the, when he's in between fights, he has no fight booked. He just fought. He's off doing stuff. He's wakeboarding. He's traveling. He's oh, doing yeah. things. Yeah. He's bull riding. Yeah. He's car racing now is a new yeah. thing. He's doing out, stuff. He's out not like. Harley. He's out he's, riding his bike. He's, yeah. Harley. he's not going to be like, oh, I'm going to go train three days this week. That's not what he does, no. but I'm sure if somebody asked him, you know, that someone from the gym said, hey, I need your help, I'm sure he would do it yeah. if he was in town. No, he, he would. He would, and he did, and, and he was always, you know, ready to help, you know, everybody, and that, you know, he's, he's got a huge heart, and, but, you know, he also lives his life, and, I mean, you know, it's like, he lives his life to the fullest, and I think that's why he's got such a following, you know, because he, he's just, he's grounded, solid, and, and you Hello, hello, coach. You there? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I had lost your temper okay. for a moment. Yeah, I have you loud and clear. So, so yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how it seems how they roll now. That it's it's really a money thing. It's like you know Andre Pedneras and how it was down at Novo Nyao. It's almost like a mirror image of what happened there, where it's been a mass exodus of 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 talent there, save for. Uh, Jose Aldo. I mean, his camp was never anything close to what Jackson's was, but I think 
um, you know, that people realize when they come out there that you're not going to get whatever it is that people got. And I don't know what it is that I, I'm not a fighter and, and I've never trained there. Um, whatever it was that they were getting, they're clearly not getting now because when people go there, people like BJ Penn, you know, they're like, you know what, um, this doesn't seem like, you know, BJ Penn should have been there probably like eight years ago, <laughs> but but right, right. Um, when it was, you know, when he could have gotten something out of it and he could have gotten the focus of a semi-retired Greg Jackson and yourself and and you know one of the juxtapositions is is that Cowboy talked about the wrestling coach is a guy who does the massage upstairs and <laughs> and at, at one point when you first invited me to come by the gym there Mike Van Arsdale was the wrestling coach oh yeah he was amazing I mean <laughs> they've had some coaches in there that were just amazing and you know and you know it's kind of sad I mean they had a striking coach in there who opened up a gym up in Chicago. He had uh, he had the fighter from Mexico, a real good striker. Um, Who, Miguel? Or, or, uh, oh, you talking about Yair Rodriguez? Yes, Yair's coach. Oh. Yair, um, he's a Spanish and guy from, and he was a coach at Jackson's, and, I, and he was amazing. You know, and, you know, Phil Nurse was in for a bit. And we, Phil you know, Nurse, we, we had, yeah. We had a lot of a lot of different coaches over the years there, and you know, and but now they high level you know, coaches, they, high level, and now yeah, um, you know, it's yeah, it's sad. There's just not there's just not coaches. They just don't. You know, I think they had, you know, Gre- besides Greg, and Greg doesn't really coach there much now. You know, maybe a couple times a week he swings by, and you know, they they had a kids coach. You know, Brandon Gibson, he was our kids coach. You know, he was our kids coach while I was there. And then I was just going to bring sudden, him up. What a yeah, brilliant segue. Okay. Yeah, so he holds pads, you know, mm-hmm. and he'll hold pads for the guys. And now, you know, he started calling himself kind of a nickname. And, you know, and, and you know, he's promoting himself. But, you know, still not, you know, he's never fought MMA. You know, um, you know, never, no, you know, never fought MMA. Didn't really know any wrestling or jit. You know, and I think he had a few amateur kickboxing fights. But yeah, they just don't have anybody. Greg never fought. You know, Greg had never fought, never wrestled, never jiu-jitsu. He's never competed. And so, you know, for years and years and years, I'd have to, you know, I'd have to mentor him and talk to him and, you know, tell him and, you know, you know what to say, what to do in in certain situations, and and. Um, you know, and then Mike had never fought, you know, in any sort. So they just don't have anybody right now that, you know, they do have a coach, Joey Villasenor, who's amazing, really. He he was a fighter, and that he's he's amazing. Tough, and hope, tough yeah, guy. Tough and a great guy, and, and hopefully he steps up and, you know, takes over, and maybe he can take the reins and, you know, turn the tide, and they can get back in the, you know, get back to winning, and, you know, um, yeah, hopefully he can. You know, the the put two position. the two things that resonated with me is a conversation that we had maybe a year, year and a half ago, where we were talking about challenge. Matt, you and I were having a calm conversation, and you were telling me about challenge matches and stuff. And and as soon as I said, "Did Greg ever do one of those matches?" You got super animated. Like the, the whole tenor of your voice raised up, and the speed at which you were talking raised up, and you're like, he never did one, he never fought, he never did one of those challenge matches. Right. 
that you guys used to do, you and Tom Vaughn and, yeah. and Brad. Yeah, Brad. So we, well, I remember getting calls, you know, like just random calls. Hey, Chris, so-and-so from this grace here, so-and-so from this school, so-and-so from, come down here and, like, represent the gym. You know, I remember, you know, whatever I was doing, I'd throw my stuff, jump in the car, drive down, and, and, and the fight's on. We'd go to different dojos and throw down and, you know, and, and fight. And, you know, it was, you know, trying to get your name out there as an MMA gym. And, you know, we were, we were always doing that. But, no, he, you know. It pissed you never, off that he never did that. But, you know what, it, it makes me angry when you start talking about putting articles out like the mind of a fighter. Like, what? <laughs> like, you gotta, you got to fight first. Yeah. You know? So... But yeah, exactly. Uh, it, there's a separation between you guys and the rest of us. I have never fought in the cage. I don't know what it's like. I can conjecture about it. I can theorize about it. But I don't know the mind of the fighter because I'm not one of them. You guys are in that group. You're in that group. Greg's obviously, he's not in that group. Well, I... So. You know, I think, yeah, I think it, I think it hurt him a lot, but then it helped him too. You know, because, you know, in, kind of in a strange way. But uh, I just, I really, I feel each time this happens over there, especially like somebody like Cowboy, I, it's tough. It's tough to swallow because, you know, I, I taught Dragon and doing the MA and I was the first black belt fighter, and I represented that gym for so long, and you know, and then we had such good strong guys with integrity come on and continue to build that gym and then to see what has happened now and the you know the winning person just dropped and you know and just there's just no class i mean what you know it's always they're always in the news for something remember a cyborg fought one of their fighters of course and it just got ugly like what they would you know their people would go and say and you're like ah good lord you know the photographer the gym photographer is going and I think the problem to me it looks like they got a lot of hangers on like Mark Aragon uh, the photographer like um, Ricky and people that would 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 be the guy behind the guy flexing and so there's somebody in front of you don't hold me back you know that's flexing that's genuflecting that's yelling come on man I'll kick your ass and and they really didn't need that. They really could just stand on the strength of what their work was and how great they had, how they, you know, you all had developed fighters. And that's really all you needed. You didn't need an outside manager to come in and tell Greg what to think or tell Mike what to think or make it about money. That should have been something that that always was between you guys because obviously everybody wants to make money but there's a fairness between you know what you're going to make what the fighter's going to pay and and what is that fighter getting for their money how much attention are they getting from the best coaches in the gym every week because if you're telling me they're getting a couple you know one class with mike and one class with greg or you know three or four classes where they're just part of a class then that's not really attention, you know. So no, absolutely, you really it really takes an enormous amount of focus, especially because the, your competition got better and better and better and better. It's not a, it's not two thousand eight anymore, you know. When you guys had a leg up on it, now 
there's a lot of good probably even MMA in New Mexico aside from your academy is probably a lot better than it was back then so there's no doubt and even you know thanks to the internet like, yeah <laughs> you know it it it's it's information more and more information is available to all the gyms that can't travel or have people come to them and and so it, and and it's growing at a fast pace and you you know you just gotta you have to stay on top and you've constantly got to be open-minded and i've been very very lucky you know i've been you know traveling you know and training Claudia Gadelia up in Vegas, and so I go to the Performance Institute and yep. that amazing facility. All the, a lot of different UFC fighters come in, and and I get to work with a lot of different ones, and I get to see a lot of the different techniques, and you know, and, and I you know I get to help and add, and you know, put my two cents in, and I, I get a lot back, and and kind of helps keep me evolving and keeps me sharp, and so I've I've been blessed. And Chris, if we can frame it, let's let's just go to Latrell Yee MMA, and let's just close with Latrell Yee and where you're at now. Now we've we've been through Jackson's. There's not a relationship there between you and them. You don't see well, you know I, I don't even want to try to, to, to reframe it. You've said what you've said. You've told us about it and um, I assume that you just don't like what's going on there you don't think what they're doing is fair and forthright and honest and and there's been drugs going around the gym there's a lot of that stuff we didn't even we didn't even get into anything about performance enhancing drugs and that but you know we we can always do a part two let's go to Latrell Yee MMA your new uh, project that's now what are we we're we're almost are we three years old hmm I would, yeah, probably two and a half, three years old now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now we're doing well. Uh, real excited. Um, moved into a new building and, you know, and uh, so we're growing and we just recently got a, one of our fighters uh, got a, he earned a UFC contract on Dana White's Tuesday night fights, Jordan Espinosa. Jordan Espinosa. Um, two wins yeah. on the on Dana White's Contender Series. And yeah, after it, the second it, one, he got yeah. a contract. He did, and, it, and it's exciting because he's a local. You know, he's a local boy. He's from here. He's from Albuquerque, and take a homegrown, you know, Albuquerque native, and and then you take him and you know and get him to that level where he earns a UFC contract, which is just so hard to do anymore. And and uh, it it was just changing people's lives. It was really really exciting, and kind of the way he did it. You know, at the first um, Tuesday night fight, he was fighting a guy from Jackson's, and he was a huge underdog, but again, you know, Jordan, we just got a lot of time. So we're not a giant gym, so we can spend time with our fighters. And, and, you know, he just grew and grew and grew. And as where, you know, the fighters over, the, you know, at Jackson's are, you know, they don't get that individualized attention, which, which, which people, animals, plant like you just need it. You know, you got to have attention to grow. And, and so our guy ended up, you know, just doing really well and, you know, uh, submitting, you know, his opponent from Jackson's and, and then we thought he'd get a contract, you know, we were really excited. We thought he'd get it. And so he got invited back and, and, um, you know, he won his second fight, like knocked the guy, his opponent out in two seconds. And it was just a heck of a fight, a great show. And so he earned a contract. So we're just really happy for him. And, you know, all, all the fighters are doing really well. We got Andres Quintana and he's, 
and he's like one of the top 145 pounders that he's he's in combate he's combate americas and and just signed a new contract with him and he's uh got a fight coming up in uh, i believe he's 15 and 2 or somewhere around. one of your originals yeah, from yeah. One. yep yep and he's doing great and we just we just got a group of guys and you know we're, we just continue to win and you know continue to you know all we tell them is just get a little bit better each day. Win, lose, draw. We don't, you know, just every day just get a little bit better, and and uh, it's it's just exciting, you know. Jim's doing well, and and uh, hopefully we can just you know continue the upward swing and the momentum. And well, talk about the new, the UFC guys you have now. You got you have you've had Claudia now for at least you've had what four fights with Claudia or three. Mm, yes, three. three, three, and and you yeah. have a new a new UFC okay. fighter. Well, it looks like he might come. Yeah, looks like he might be. You know, he's going to be coming out and training with us. And excited about that. Um, Thomas Almeida. That's what we talked about. Thomas, yep, Mr. Thomas Almeida, just an incredible guy, and going to come out and get some work in, and just excited. He's just, you know, it, when you've got a smaller gym like, you know, on a, like in a. I say us at Jackson's, we had it earlier as you kind of pick and choose these people with really, you know, people with character and integrity. And, and so you get to pick and choose and not just open the doors and let anybody come in, you know, but you get to pick and choose people with good, good characters. And so it, it just, it, because it's contagious, you know, you get people with good energy, good, solid people with good energy, and it's just contagious. And, it, you know, it just carries over. And so, yeah, we're, well, we've got to, all of your yeah. former fighters are doing well. They're all character guys from Logan Sims to Andres. You got Martin ended up coming to you and spending a couple years with you. He's an officer in the Air Force. Yeah. Um, all your guys are doing well. Kevin ended up, uh, he was one of the toughest guys you've had. He ended up, uh, I think, retiring from fighting, right? Um, well, he ended up moving with his, you know, ended up meeting a really good girl. And, and um, you know, he came to me. He was like, Coach, what do I do? I met this girl. And I said, hey, you followers. <laughs> I moved out to Kansas. I'm like, you know what? MMA, you know, there's another chapter in your life. I like, you know what? Follow her. She's amazing. And and um, I think everybody that's been through the gym and trained with us, they, you know, either it's MMA or they go on to a second chapter of their lives and they mm-hmm. just kick butt. And it's, you know, it's a positive experience for them. And they take what they learn and, you know, carry over into other parts, you know, mm-hmm. other parts of society. And, and it's just really, really good to see. So just, uh, just excited and blessed to be, you know, to be able to be a part of this uh, um, amazing sport. You know, um, it's just been great to me. You're just you've just retired from the police force. What is it like now, not having to get up and put on your uniform and go in every day? And you used to I don't know, like it was like a year ago, you ended up talking a young man who had a gun pointed out of out you. I think he was mentally ill, and you talked him the gun out of his hand and were able to not not get shot yourself and not have to yeah. fire on him. Yeah, it was a it was a high school kid, you know, with some mental problems, and you know, and he had a gun, and and you know, I had my rifle pointed at him, and you know, I I uh, I got accommodation for talking him down, and I, you know, it it, uh, it it was a neat feeling, and you know, being being I t- I talked him, and we'd been you know, we'd been after this guy and chasing him for a while, and I you know I 
got him cornered and just talked to him, talked to him, and finally talked. You know, he put the gun down, came over, and treated him good. And you know, it, you know, and then Albuquerque's just—it's just blowing up. It's really crazy. You know, all the crime here lately, and it's really sad. But uh, you, you forgot to student. mention, you got a letter from his mother. Um, people, coach yeah. isn't going to tell you about this, but I actually saw the letter. He got a letter from the boy's mother thanking coach for saving his life because coach had to basically take the risk of him getting killed to go and get the gun from the kid and get the kid to put his gun down well you know i i, I use good tactics so i don't think you know, you know what i mean but but what 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 was really neat was i was in somebody's backyard i was in a family's backyard and, mm-hmm. and you know i'm like and they'd come out and i'm like go back inside get i got the gun well they were when a lady went out and she filmed it and mm-hmm. she filmed the whole incident on her phone and she got me talking him down and saying, Hey, it's okay. You know, and, and, uh, you know, some, some having this philosophical, like, you know, just, you know, getting this guy to deescalate and, mm-hmm. and, and, and give it and give, you know, give himself up and put the gun down. And she got it and she came over and hugged me and she was crying and she's like, you know, that was amazing because, you know, Albuquerque for a long time and other cities, you know, police were getting, you know, getting bashed there. And, and, you know, I don't think people see all the, you know, the wonderful things that police officers do. And, mm-hmm. and so she was crying and she was like, that, that was amazing. And so, you know, it, it was neat. It was, it was really neat. And she, she thanked me and, and, uh, you know, and I had quite a few of those incidents, unfortunately, you know, a guy, you know, on the bridge with a rope around his neck, he was going to jump and, mm-hmm. you know, got him down. And it was just, it's just Albuquerque, you know, was going through some, you know, going through some troubles. It's crazy town right now. And so, um, it was nice to retire. It was, it was nice. I, I just loved police work and, mm-hmm. um, you know, helping people, but, um, yeah, I got 20, you know, 20 plus years. Uh, I was with state police for state police. a long time. On, yep. Yeah, I was on, on the SWAT team for five years, uh, almost five years, and then went to APD as a gang detective and just seen the worst of the worst. And and uh, a couple of years before I retired, my blood pressure was just sky high. And, but I ate right. I'm in good shape and just talks like, you know, it's just stress. It's and, stressful. Yeah, yeah, and now we're tired. My, you know, stress has come. My blood pressure's come way down, and and I can focus on what I love to do, MMA, and and uh, I get to work with you know these athletes that are you know just passionate, you know, eat, sleep, and breathe MMA, and they love what they do, and uh, I'm just blessed. Get to travel and meet you know meet good people, and and uh, yeah, I'm I'm just blessed. Folks, that is, if I'm not mistaken, it's at Chris Luttrell, at Chris underscore Luttrell one. And let me go, to, I'm going to have to go to your Twitter so I can see. <laughs> um, but it's Luttrell Yee MMA in Albuquerque. And the address is, Chris? It is Let's see if it is. It, 2820 yeah, Richmond Avenue. 2820 Richmond Avenue. I'm going to need that yeah. address. Richmond Drive. Richmond, Richmond Drive. Drive. Okay. 2820 Richmond Richmond Drive in yeah. Albuquerque because I'm going to be coming out there to visit uh, next month. So I'll be out Perfect. there for work and so I'll get to see um, Coach Luttrell. It is um, Luttrell Ye MMA at Chris Luttrell, all one word, underscore one on Twitter is where you can find Coach Luttrell. Um, if you really want to, uh, I mean, I, I hate to say he's one of my heroes. Um, he is. Um, but, but despite all that, I tried to be fair 
to uh, Jackson's uh, tonight, even though what happened with the relationship between my friend and them, I wanted to tell the story dispassionately and get out there what happened, and we didn't go into a lot of, trust me, and coach, we, we didn't get into a lot that you, that you know. Yeah, we didn't, and and, and that's know, okay. It, it, yeah, it just hurt that gym more and more, and I think they've got enough on their plates to be, you know. Yeah, we're we're not interested, but there there is there is quite a bit more there, and um, and um, I just hope that I I don't even know if there can be a rep. I used to to think, knowing Chris, that there could be a reconciliation between these parties. I imagined. Chris at a bar having a beer with Winkle John and Greg. I, I imagine that happening, and now I don't. I don't imagine that anymore. Yeah, it, you know they would they would have some apologizing to do, but you know I I'm sure I could forgive them. That's what that you know you you really I I hate to invoke the name of John McCain because it's been like a John McCain week with him being laid to rest today at the um, the Naval Academy at, at Annapolis today after lying in state at the Senate and being eulogized by everybody from Henry Kissinger to George Bush to Barack Obama today. Um, you know, you really do remind me of him, so I hate to, you know, try to, I don't want to put that kind of pressure on you. Um, but um, you, you really do kind of remind me because you do, you do forgive uh, when you know you have a temper, you have an inner strength. Um, you don't carry yourself the way that blustery people do. That really don't have the confidence in their physical abilities the way that you do, which is nice because, yeah, I mean you don't feel like you're in the presence of somebody who's an intimidating figure because he doesn't need to intimidate you he just has this inner strength about himself that he know he knows what he can do with himself so well well speaking of the navy you know i my oldest son is in the navy boot camp and um, if you guys can send your prayers to him yes jack latrell not not only the navy boot camp the swick basically he is in the undergraduate program before you go to buds training uh, that version of basic training that the special boat team and the UDT guys and all that go to. Am I correct? Yeah, and I'll tell you, DJ, I, I never thought of it, but I'm like, hey, Jack, you know, just, you know, stay low-key, work your hardest. And he's like, Dad, I, I can't stay low-key. Um, thanks to you, I'm getting smashed daily by every instructor and every new instructor because of, of my last name. So, <laughs> because they think it's related Mark, to well, Marcus yeah, Luttrell. Yeah, so like the most famous guy in the name is Marcus Luttrell, lone survivor. And Jack's like, Dad, they're, they're killing me. And he's like, Woo! You know, like, Oh, hey, Luttrell, are you Mark? You think you're alone? You think you're that? You know, he's like, Oh boy. He's like, 
it, it's he goes i'm trying to blend i'm trying you know so i i I'm funny because he's like hey thanks for the last name dad <laughs> damn right <laughs> something to be proud of there that uh their dad is a is a is a badass uh just like marcus luttrell is uh, uh and a shooting instructor as well we didn't even talk about that but you're also a shooting instructor for apd i believe so um yeah. all right yeah. coach i'm gonna leave you alone now um i want to thank you very much for coming on to talk about this i know some of it is not easy to talk about um but it's something important you were very very central you you were very central in the building of jackson's mma in the rise of jackson's mma and thankfully you've had zero to do with the decline of jackson wink mma and i'm sorry that that's what occurred but that's that's history and if you folks out there don't know that Chris Luttrell is the one who introduced Mike Winklejohn and Greg Jackson and was their first black belt, their first fighter, their first assistant coach, if you will, um, then you really don't know the story of Jackson's. Because if you think it started with uh, Brandon Gibson and a, and a couple of these guys over there, it didn't. It, and and uh, Misha and Ricky Cottonsteady. It started long before that uh, on the mats, uh, before MMA was a, was a thing, a household word. And, um, and it started with, uh, with uh, Chris Luttrell. So. Well, DJ, I appreciate that. And I'll tell you, if, if everybody can, you know, just get behind Cowboy. I mean, he's going through, you know, mm-hmm. he's going through a tough time right now. You know, pretty much kicked out of his gym that he's been loyal to and for so long. And, uh, you know, just hope people continue to support him and give him the love and encouragement they, you know, that he's received. And, you know. He, Don't he believe really, the hype, <laughs> what yeah, they're yeah, saying. exactly. Because he really needs it. So, yeah. One love to yeah. Cowboy Cerrone. He's another guy who... Uh, has inspired many, many fighters, both male and female, not just in the United States, but worldwide. He's that type of inspiring fighter um, and and an example of how this is supposed to be done. So thank you, um, Coach. It's it's an honor to uh, talk to you and, uh, frankly, to call you my friend, and I try to play it down the middle as best I could. Um, But uh, thank you very much. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right, bye-bye. All right, folks, that was Coach Chris Luttrell, um, dear, dear friend of mine. Um, and again, I'm, I'm trying to be objective. I'm trying to be honest about this. I've been listening to these stories for the last eight years at least. Um, and um, I'll tell the story some other time. But, um, but basically, in short, uh, there was a friend of mine who was a college student just graduating college who had gone up to the brand new Mean One MMA in Albuquerque from Portales, New Mexico. He rolled there. He met Coach Luttrell and Coach Luttrell looking for character guys, as I said, character guys. And he really liked this young college graduate, Martin. And when I didn't went to a local Albuquerque MMA event and someone pointed out to me this Chris Luttrell and I interviewed him, I liked him right away. Um, we, I, he, he, I gave him my business card. I was still in the Air Force at the time, but I had an MMA podcast back then, and and he um, he called me on the on uh, the next Monday and said to me, "Hey, you know, DJ, this is Coach Chris Luttrell, and I'm, you know, uh, I was looking to get a hold of that guy Martin. 
uh, who had come here and roll. I didn't want him to be part of my academy. And I told him, Martin said that he didn't have any money. And he said, don't worry about money. Just come here and train. And that's when I realized that I really liked and respected uh, Coach Chris Luttrell. And we've been friends ever since then. So so that's the story, folks. Uh, we'll try to get more for, with you. Maybe post the next card and then heading into the October card with Khabib and uh, Conor McGregor. But i um, super excited for uh, Darren Till and Tyron Woodley. And, um, you know, hopefully that will turn out to be the right kind of fight that Woodley plays that. If, if you know, if we want to talk about that really, really quickly, um, as I take a look at the uh, card, Tyron Woodley is sounding, you know, has the ability to take somebody down and hold them down if he wants to. But he insists on striking, showing his strength, his his great hands, and knocking people out. And if he he can do that to Darren Till, but he also, in doing that, he opens the door for Darren Till to be able to outstrike him. Darren Till probably has a good jiu-jitsu game, but I'm sure he's probably not going to tap Tyron Woodley. And I think Tyron Woodley uh, should attack early and often uh, with his um, with his, his wrestling game and make sure that Darren Till doesn't get comfortable on the feet. I fear, listening to Tyron talk, that he wants to prove that he can knock him out. Um, this uh, In the second fight down, Nico Montano versus Valentina Shevchenko. Just look at it. Nico is four and two. Valentina is fifteen and three. I I really really think that this young lady is in really really deep water with Valentina Shevchenko. I think she's in big trouble, and it will probably look very similar to the Brazilian girl uh, who got beat down uh, in Mario Yamasaki's last fight he refed in the UFC. So I don't think, even though this girl's really good, I don't think she she's ready for Shevchenko. She's just a you know, when you think that she went the distance twice with Amanda Nunes, who knocks people silly, and she's a 125-pound fighter, it's really all you need to know. Uh, Jessica Andrade and uh, Karolina Kovalkiewicz, um, I really like the way both of them fight. Um, Karolina is such an excellent striker. She does not have a good ground game. I assume that Jessica will be able to take her down and have her way with her. Um, and um, Jessica, I really, really feel very strongly that she's used PEDs. She just does not look like like she's a natural athlete. And I'm sorry to say that. I have nothing to base that on other than her physical appearance. But when I look at those shoulders and I talk to... I, I, I do have something to base it on. I have a friend who's a professor of uh, sports, um, sports sciences at uh, Long Beach State. And he's taken a look at her and... and you know, she just doesn't look like she's an unnatural athlete. So how she's getting around it, I don't know. Um, Zabit uh, Magomed Sharipov at 15-1 against Brandon Davis. I haven't seen Brandon Davis fight. He sounds really game, but I think he's probably going to. Um, I think he's probably going to win. I'm going to uh, fast forward down to John Dotson, Jimmy Rivera. Obviously, Jimmy Rivera got knocked out by. Um, by um, uh, Marlon Moraes. Um, you know, John Dotson is, can also knock people out, but he can also lose the decision ugly. Um, Carla Esparza against Tatiana Suarez. I think you're going to see Tatiana Suarez dominate here. 
Um, I don't think that um, Carla will catch her, and Tatiana is an amazing wrestler. She is the fighter that is gonna is gonna be on the come up in the 115 pound division, and I'll just leave it at that. Thank you everybody for listening um, to MMA BJJ and Life. You can find me on Twitter at MMA underscore BJJ underscore and Life. And um, I don't know. We'll see this year. We'll see how many. See, we'll do some shows. I, I have a lot of opinions. I probably need to be on air more often. All right. Love you guys. And um, as always, always one love to John McCain as uh, he's uh, as he is put to rest uh, this week. He's one of my military heroes, and I believe in in everything that uh, that he espouses in terms of uh, nonpartisanship in our country, and it's what I hope and pray for. As as I always say, I'm wondering. I always wonder what's up around the bend.